All right, welcome back to The Path Forward. Definitely excited to introduce our uh, next regular co-host and participant, Pember, Mr. Brian Pember. Are you there, Brian? I am, and you can call me Brian. Yeah, we can call you Brian. <laughs> Mr. Pember is my father. Mr. Beard is my father. Yep, exactly. Sweet. We're going to cover a little bit more of the lighter side of things, as we've talked about previously to kind of break up the, uh, the heavy ideas, some of our bigger idea episodes. We're going to talk about some of our favorite media landscape, and today that's going to be focused around one of our absolute favorites of Disney properties, because just recently was the big Disney Plus Day and announcements, and I kind of intentionally ignored them. And, and Brian, you watch them, and, and I think it'll become obvious really quickly to anyone that I'm usually pretty ignorant of these things. I know Dune really well and some other properties, but Brian understands the MCU really well, and I always watch any MCU content with him because he catches at least four to six references that would just fly past me. Yeah, yeah, and just, just for some background um, on my comic cred, I... Uh collected Marvel comics exclusively when we were at late grade school through junior high. I've got about 12 long boxes full now. And uh, I don't think I ever would have suspected there'd be a day where we'd be seeing the type of content we're seeing now on uh, both television and in theaters. It's yeah. mind blowing. I think that's one of the fun things that we always talk about is like, it, it is, it's kind of worth like stopping down and realizing it's crazy that, this content is so popular. I mean, it's the level of obscurity that we've hit sort of a mass audience is what blows my mind. You know, the fact that Agatha Harkness is a name that people would recognize now. Right. That was like an F, you know, level character in the comics that even comic nerds don't even know about. Yeah. And now, and that, that leads us right into, I mean, I think one thing would be just your credibility and your knowledge in in Marvel and the MCU and you know it's broader than that and then just a little bit about where we are I mean yeah we're saying we just had Disney Plus Day but I think you know it's good to for folks that maybe don't follow this as closely as we do you know we had Shang-Chi in the theaters and then we just had Eternals and we've had how are we at four uh TV shows on Disney Plus now or is it three We've had four if you want to include the animated What If. Right, including What If, yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. Which, the, it's, it's a show. Right, WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Loki. Soldier, Loki, and What If. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that, I mean, that's actually a lot of content in one year. Four, four shows, three, three movies, if you include Spider-Man. Yeah. No, four movies, Black Widow, too. Well, I mean, there was the gap for, especially given, you know, the pandemic. I mean, there was, there was a bit of a gap, but now they're, they're running it and, and we're certainly well into, I guess, what's called phase four, right? Yeah. And they're still experiencing, um, delays. I mean, they're doing, uh, a huge amount of reshoots for the Dr. Strange movie. There's always going to be speculation as to why that happened, um, a lot of suggestions have to do with, you know, the production was, be, you know, different aspects of the production were still in delay. It's, it's hard to say. Um, the most recent stuff I read about that though, was that they actually have one of the head writers from uh, WandaVision involved with some rewrites 
and the reshoots, which is encouraging, if anything. I think maybe they're trying to tie it in closer to the Loki finale. Yeah, very cool. Well, I mean, we both really enjoyed WandaVision, and it ended up turning oh, out Oh, actually, be... no, it was, the, it was the writer for Loki. I'm sorry, not WandaVision. Okay. Okay, yeah, cool. So it's, it's going to be closely tied to that, the multiverse of madness. Yeah, but I feel like we knew for a while the films that have been coming out were, were kind of like, we, we've seen three this year now, and we've got one more in Spider-Man, I guess. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, I was thinking about this today, the fact that I feel like we're going to basically go into a reversal of the cinematic to show sort of um, type of content. Like, so far, mm. the shows have all been based on existing properties and characters we met in the movies. And the movies were used to introduce, well, at least Shang-Chi and the Eternals were used to introduce new characters. And I see that sort of flipping on its head going forward with all these new shows actually introducing the new characters. And the movies are going to be more like big, bigger, you know, events with characters meeting up. Yeah. But they're and, characters we already know. I, I see them introducing new characters less and less in the movies, I guess. That's that's sort of where I'm speculating. Yeah. And that the shows do this backstory building and then it all just starts interweaving so you don't have to do this exposition and backstory in the films. Absolutely. I mean, we talked a bit about Eternals and right. I, I have you know, I'm a I'm kinda lukewarm on it. I think it was good and I have a hard time putting my finger on what I didn't like about it necessarily, because I think it was good. But I really kind of wonder if it wouldn't have benefited from a six episode series. Oh, totally. I mean, that's I think, you know, we talked about it. I liked Eternals more than you. I think just because of the flavor of content is what I'll call it, that it's, yeah. you know, this big mythological kind of epic cosmic, if you I, will. And, and that's, that's not that has nothing to do with me not liking it, though. I love yeah. that stuff, too. Yeah, I just I, I guess I'm giving it grace for that. But but I, I mean, the one review that I heard that I really rang, you know, true to me was they just had so much to pack in to one film. And it was because exactly what we're saying, all, all the character exposition had to be done. We didn't know these characters and superheroes. Yeah. I mean, I, I just really, it's sort of like, I mean, they, they started eternal so long ago. I don't even know if the, the production that started before they had a green light on these television shows. It's been right. so long. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how early we've talked about that. Just to make a note and to comment, you know, or compliment, really, it's Chloe Zhao. Is that right? Chloe Zhao, yeah. Yeah, just that Kevin Feige kind of tapped her like, what, a year and a half before her Oscar? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or earlier? Yeah. yeah, I think that, I mean, honestly, I feel like that was a tough project. It must have been a tough project to approach. Yeah. Just introducing so many characters. I mean, the only, you know, the only other one that was, like that i mean the avengers we had a chance to check all those people out on their own first um, mm -hmm. guardians of the galaxy i think maybe in retrospect was the exception and not the rule i think james gunn did a fantastic job of introducing so many new characters that's fair we had to have the expectation that everybody can do that isn't necessarily a fair one because we've seen you know dc struggle with that over and over again yeah yeah for sure <laughs> with really awkward exposition well, yeah, yeah. All, all of their ensemble movies, I can't think of many that, if any, that were successful, in my opinion. You know, their solo movies are far better, you know, with just the Batman characters and things like that, and even Wonder Woman. Wonder but, Woman, yeah. Yeah, That's introducing ensembles is tricky. 
So here's Marvel having to deal with that with a turn. I mean, it would be really interesting. I'm wondering is has Chloe Zhao done television stuff? She's probably directed some episodes of something, maybe. Not that I know of. I'm yeah. not. I'm not. I'm not terribly familiar with her. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to check, but it would be cool. I think it would have really benefited from a six-part series. Yeah, I mean, just the, the sheer number of characters and content they're covering. Yeah. Um, it, and you said you also read somewhere that it was suffering from having to set a lot of stuff up, and I, I keep hearing more and more about all the stuff they had to set up, like that you know, third-act set piece with the ocean splitting open is probably going to lead into Black Panther pretty directly. Oh, cool. Okay. I don't know if we want to go into spoiler territories here. I'll, I'll leave that nebulous, I guess. But no, that's all right. I mean, let's, you know, it's our theories, right? We don't, we don't, who, yeah. we don't know for so, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a ton of speculation even before that movie came out that uh, Black Panther will be dealing with uh, Prince Namor um, in Atlantis. He's sort of uh, almost like Marvel's version of uh, Aquaman. Okay. Um, and uh, if you split the ocean open, that's going to wake something up. You know, there's a lot of potential for that. And even in Endgame, they talked about the sub sub tectonic plate uh, movement, right. and they blew it off with dialogue saying it's just you know an earthquake under the water. But again, that seemed like they were really planting a seed that they could choose to harvest if they wanted to. Nice, nice deep cut. And uh, yeah, those two things. I think the oceans are going to be part of the Black Panther mythology. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, just to kind of wrap up around Eternals a little bit and then go into to Disney Plus Day is, I mean, we've, we were talking about previously that just the other day that there, we've seen Marvel course correct some, right? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's easy to, it's like Marvel's as good as their last movie a lot of times, you know what I mean? Even though, it's hard. Yeah. And I don't, I don't feel like I'm giving the credit they deserve, you know, when I, I feel like they didn't hit the infinity war end game level. Totally. The bar, we said that too. The bar is so high. Like they're just, you're, you know, they're Kings literally of box office and entertainment. And it's, it's kind of unfair. I mean, I think of that, like imagine if you just compare Eternals to some other similar sci-fi fantasy feature film. Yeah. Cause, cause you're not comparing infinity war to Eternals, you're comparing all the movies that led into Infinity War to Eternals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because Eternals was such a standalone project. Yeah. It really didn't have any, you know, any sort of, I guess, storyline going into it. It started almost fresh on a new branch. Totally. And and you were talking, the other day you were talking about even, think of Captain America. I mean, and, yeah. until at least, you know, for me, like Winter Soldier is one of my all-time, are all-time yeah. favorites. But, you know, we think of the first one, it it wasn't like blow you away. Yeah, it was it was a good movie. That was, yeah, but that was it. People weren't in love with the character at that point. I think I, I like the movie more in retrospect when I watch it because Marcus and Mephila, I think, wrote that one as well. But they planted a lot of stuff there that sort of went right over my head the first time through. Yeah, and they kept carrying those themes through. I feel like it actually kind of disappeared a little bit with Joss Whedon's Avengers, but then they picked it up again with Winter Soldier and Civil War. Just his his character, you know, the themes of his character and his arc. Totally. And that arc just kept building and building. I mean, all the way through. Is it Infinity War where there's the uh, the subway station scene and he kind of like drops mm -hmm. in? Yeah. Oh, my God. Exactly. And the One of the two instances where they play the Avengers theme in that movie. Exactly. And I could just think like, I mean, I remember like 
cheering and still I get super pumped and stoked when I see that scene and we think oh here was the first movie that was a good movie but it's nowhere near the build the sort of I guess if you'd call it a course corrector just a build a construction yeah. so look who knows what's going to happen with Eternals they could they could... yeah you have to rewind the clock I can't imagine getting that excited about seeing any of those characters anytime soon you know what I mean but say that again has, you know with who I can't imagine getting that excited about seeing any of the Eternal characters right now you know yeah. if, it's, if I saw them make an entrance in the movie but again Give them 10 years and we'll see how we feel. Totally. So those are some of the features, but they didn't... Disney Plus Day is just focused on content on Disney Plus. So it's it's Well, the they, they stayed true to their promise. Um, a lot of people were speculating we'd get movie content. There was, there was actually... I feel like some of the speculation was what led to a lot of the disappointment. You know, mm. people speculate all this crazy stuff and then <laughs> they just show us Disney Plus stuff, um, which is what they said they were going to do. So again, I think... This, this sort of media sphere in general can sort of inflate its expectations unfairly, and then people get disappointed based on things that were never claimed to have been part of it anyways. Yeah, everyone just gets so excited, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's entire YouTube channels that are dedicated to creating, you know, theory videos about every frame that shows up in a Marvel property. And <laughs> with, I don't no know, pressure. Again, fans... Fans get disappointed without a really good reason, just because yeah. one of the theories that was proposed in some YouTube video doesn't come true. Totally. But yeah, Disney Plus Day, it's stuck to the TV shows. And we can talk about Star Wars, too. I think the general consensus was they had a really weak offering for Star Wars, and people are kind of wondering what the, the game plan is for that franchise. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think, you know, we can just state that like our, at least my, you know, it's, it is an agenda, not only like hopes and dreams to some degree is that maybe some of the folks that were involved in the last three main episodes start to release more control to John Favreau and Dave Filoni who are behind the Mandalorian. Yeah. I'd like to see someone with, with some, I guess, some creative vision sort of running the show. Totally just who's who knows his characters in and out like Feige does you know and I think either Faber or Filoni or possibly both would qualify for that yeah if they could if they could get the reins you know and kind of let the business and executive production maybe take a step yeah, back I mean, onto the business side the biggest misstep historically with Star Wars was the sort of piecemeal approach to the last the newest trilogy the fact that they you know didn't have a game plan to begin with they let yeah. each director sort of go with whatever direction they went. And from a creative perspective, that's a nightmare. Yeah. It just it just didn't all flow together as smoothly. And <laughs> I personally just can't forgive the ending with, with Ray that it took her her personal will and conviction in instead of using the force to overcome the dark side. But Yeah, I mean, thanks for reminding me. I, that's a forgettable movie. I, I yeah. honestly couldn't give you a synopsis if you wanted me to. Right. Um, and uh, that's just coming from uh, you know an '80s kid who was a Star Wars fan with my action figures. You know, I was invested <laughs> in the in the property yeah. for sure. We're core. So w did they announce anything Star Wars? They did a. They released um, a Boba Fett featurette, which is more of a historical look at the right. character. So sort of like you know, past footage. I didn't watch it. So they might've had stuff regarding the new show. I didn't see it though. Yeah. Um, and then they also had an Obi-Wan again, sort of like a behind the scenes, a couple of interviews with Ewan, Ewan McGregor and I'm stoked for that. Uh, Deborah Chow, the director. Um, but again, it wasn't, they didn't show anything really. They showed a couple, you know, pieces of concept art and that was it. 
Beyond that, that was it for Star Wars, though. Yeah. Did you intentionally not watch the Boba Fett like me? I don't want to watch it so because I don't want to see any footage before enjoying the show. Well, the thumbnail was like a a black and white photo from Empire Strikes Back or something. I don't know if there is any new footage. That's why I didn't watch it. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, so they're holding it back. I mean, maybe something else is going on behind the scenes around Star Wars, but it does seem pretty quiet. And and didn't yeah, you say well, the other I, day they canceled? Yeah, I mentioned Patty Jenkins is backing off of the Star Wars thing for an indefinite delay. That's the, the exact terminology they're using, an indefinite delay. Right. Which, it, it, I don't know, historically speaking in Hollywood, that's kind of the kiss of death for yeah. a project. Because she's focusing on, on... Wonder Woman, supposedly. Right. I mean, again, this is all, you know, the PR firm's statements. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they don't have any theatrical stuff in the works or production that I know of. They have the Feige project they announced a long time ago. Uh, nobody knows where that's at. And they have a Taika project. Nobody knows where that's at. Yeah. And then they have the TV stuff. They have quite a few shows, and that's also surprising. We didn't see any footage or featurettes from those. Right, because um, that's that's You know, Disney beyond shows. Obi-Wan. Yeah, what's happening yeah. with Boba Fett and Mandalorian and Bad Batch. Andor. Right. Yeah. So... I don't know. I guess, I mean, on one side, we could feel like that a little is a little bit of a vacuum, or maybe they're just holding their cards close to their chest around Star Wars. My hope and agenda and to try to, <laughs> you know, popularize and spread the ideas to build a campaign for Favreau and Filoni and to give them the reins of Star Wars. Well, I mean, you wouldn't be alone in that. Yeah. Um, I think they've become fan favorites for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, I, yeah, I think it is already a movement. I just want to help progress that movement and, and maybe we can do some of that around here and talk to people who, who feel the same or get somebody who can give us some kind of insight around it. Yeah. I mean, I, and in general, I have sort of mixed feelings about fan petitions, but sure. it's, uh, you know what I mean? These, these are businesses and if, you know, you have creative people sort of bending to the will of fans, it's like a Snyder, Snyder cut situation. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, I just well, yeah, but I mean, we are the audience. I, I know, I know what you mean. There's, there's a way of supporting it, and telling people right. what you want, but oftentimes, sort of the general audience doesn't know what they want until they see it. Fair enough. They think they know what they want. Yeah. <laughs> no, but in this, in this case, we're talking about staff changes, and Filoni and and Favreau have definitely demonstrated their their, their capabilities. So yeah. this is a slightly different situation than fan casting or right. you know saying we don't want a hero to die. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, they have they have proven their track record. So we'll see what happens with Star Wars. So basically, I mean, we watched the the last few minutes of the what do, what do we call this Disney Plus Day like like real the upcoming the upcoming stuff. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's a a real. This is a real. And it and it was all Marvel. Yeah, the the first three quarters of it was footage from WandaVision, Loki, uh, What If and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then just the very last tale of it was the upcoming footage and the sort of the logos for the shows. And is it, I saw those logos, is it six new shows? Um, there's a lot. Yeah. It's, it, it looks like 12, but that includes Whoa. several animated. Um, Spider-Man Freshman Year was a new announcement that no one had heard about. That's going to be an animated show. Okay. Supposedly, supposedly when Spider-Man's a freshman. Uh, that's a huge question mark for me. I don't know where Tom Holland's going to end up, whether no. Sony's pulling him back into the universe or not. 
or if this is an attempt for Marvel to keep keep some Spider-Man over in the MCU, you know, adjacent at least with an animated show. So I think people are going to be wondering who's cast for that. Uh, there's a Marvel Zombies show, another animated one. I, I'm assuming it's similar to the ones we saw in the What If show. And there is a, a huge sort of treasure trove of source material for Marvel Zombie comics. That's always been kind of a thing. Oh, really? See, that was that felt very that felt very new to me. Oh no! I mean, I think I think when Walking Dead happened, um, actually, the guy behind Walking Dead, that that comic book, what's his name, Kirkman, mm-hmm. he did a Marvel run oh. of zombie stuff as well, about the same time as Walking Dead. I'm not sure which came first, but in those ones, there were actually like sort of semi-intelligent zombies, and they sort of had character arcs and did things. Mm. Um, this might be more about that. I'm I'm honestly a little ambivalent about the zombie stuff. I know some people love zombies, some people hate zombies. I yeah, I neither love nor hate them. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if it's a good show, I'll enjoy it. You're you're uh, you're you're zombie neutral, zombie ambivalent. Yeah, yeah. I like to judge a zombie by his character. <laughs> his or her character. Yeah. Yeah, good. That's kind of how I feel about that, though. When I saw that logo, I was like, okay, they're doing a zombie yeah. thing. It's it's good to know there's some deep precedent and history to that. Well, they're going to make up with so much stuff. I'm actually starting to wonder if I'll be watching it all, you know, which is yeah. nice. It's a good problem to have. Um, the Spider-Man thing also is not terribly interesting to me, the animated freshman year show. And then the other third animated thing, or actually, yeah, one of the... One more animated show was the X-Men 97. That's what um, I wanted to ask about. Now, was that a surprise? That was a surprise to me. Yeah, that's also a surprise. Now, th- I think we're the wrong age for this because there was oh. a hugely popular X-Men cartoon in the 90s that everybody about 10 years younger than us just grew up with and loved. Okay. Um, we were like going to raves at the time. Yeah, <laughs> I <don't> totally. Think- <laughs> I don't think X-Men was on our radar watching a cartoon. <clears throat> but again, it was hugely popular. What they're doing is they're actually rebooting the show they're starting up where they left off they've got a lot of the same voice actors back apparently which is a huge coup oh really Um, fans of the show are excited about that yeah because it's going to be like picking up where they left off oh that's cool so that's what that is oh that's cool and then isn't that officially marvel's first entree with the x-men in this in this modern era in, in the mcu in the MCU, um, in the MCU, yes. Yeah, right. and this isn't the MCU though, because it's not right. cinematic. We're... It's a show. Yeah. Right, right. I don't even I include the shows in the cinematic universe, it, it, though. I don't. I do wonder if this is a good way for them to start, you know, sort of planting seeds again and, and creating awareness around those characters, right. so that when they do introduce them into the cinematic universe, there will be more current sort of source material people can see. Yeah. Like, oh, this is that Wolverine character from that show they've been doing. Right. It'll lead up to it. But but it is really let's let's for us right now or for me say the MCU we're going to include the Disney Plus shows, right? And then the features. Well, I don't yeah, I don't know. I, I have I, I just don't think those animated shows I guess this is just a, a a nerd dispute whether it's canon or not. But I mean it's 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 Marvel I don't know. It, it's not MCU in my opinion. It's not part of the the, the sacred timeline that that, that that King has been holding on to, which is what I would consider MCU. Say that again. It's not part of the sacred timeline that King has been protecting. Right, right. The King got it. You know, I totally. mean, that, that is canon. That's the yeah. 
for sure. Well, let me ask it this way. Maybe since Kevin Feige gained control, right, of the X-Men properties again by acquiring Fox, right, right, right. people aren't aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That this is the first content that's been produced under Feige's leadership is this animation. Yeah, yeah. X-Men Maybe, it might be peripherally, but yeah, he is he is running the show and they're putting it out yeah. with he's obviously green lighting it. So Yeah. So it yeah, is the yeah. first thing. You, I mean, you are correct in saying that. Yeah. Other than the only other thing I can think of is the odd speculation and parallel universe intertwining that happened in WandaVision with Quicksilver. Which has I mean, honestly, the the, the producers of the show have even gone on record saying no, that's not yeah that's not and you know it was just fun we we're having fun with it totally that's which not, is great not i love that they're having fun rift in the multiverse totally. yeah i think i think after those first couple marvel shows the writers all realized that if they put something in the show there's going to be a week of speculation about it <laughs> rampant speculation online so they need to be you know deliberate at least <laughs> yeah well I, okay, so we've got three animated shows. Which so there's a, there's a there's a fourth there's a fourth animated as well. The I Am Groot, which is going to be like I think it's a children's show with the baby Groot. Oh man, that though when I watched that, I was like, that's what I'm the most excited. I guess maybe X Men, yeah. but I just I just love me some Groot. Yeah, well, I mean, we're gonna get the Christmas special as well, which right. will be next uh, Christmas. That'll be live action. Okay, so that's Christmas 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Leading up to their their next film is 2023. It's slated. Yeah, there's a date. I can't remember it off yeah, the top of my head. But it's after the Christmas. Everything else in, was uh, live action shows, though. Um, we can go through those if you want. Yeah, yeah. Just maybe a little bit. Echo came up, and you weren't familiar with that. Yeah, what is that? What is Echo? So Echo is a character. I kind of get excited about this. She's going to be in the Hawkeye show as well. Oh. In the comics, she was associated with a Daredevil sort of mythology in his comics, and he mm. was also she was also um, the Kingpin's adopted daughter. Oh. Which excites me. I feel like they're really starting to pull into this New York Hell's Kitchen stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think at some point, I feel like they're almost like filling in every character except Daredevil, and maybe he'll be <laughs> the icing on the top. So this kind of interweaves finally some of the world that we've seen through the Netflix shows. Yeah, yeah, they're touching on that. And again, it's interesting that they're sort of coming, they're spilling in the sort of the peripheral areas first without dropping in the main characters, which is kind of cool, the building those worlds out. Totally. Um, <clears throat> so I, it, I think, you know, Hawkeye and Echo will be very closely connected. And she is, I believe she's a blind character. Don't hold me to that. I know it has to do with echolocation. Okay. Um, and that's why she was kind of a logical team up for Daredevil because they both had similar power sets. So that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah. She-Hulk. Right. We saw the footage from that. I'm actually looking forward to that quite a bit. I think that's going to be very heavy on the humor. Pro- possibly the most humorous of all the shows we've seen so far. Okay. It looks. It almost looks like a crime procedural or a, you know a Law and Order type show. Totally, you said that. And then as soon as I saw like their, I don't know, it was the, logo the title. Yeah. Yeah, it was over a city skyline. <laughs> and there there was also some weird, like, looked like almost like 70s or 80s footage of her. I, I'm assuming it was like a commercial for her law firm. Um, yeah, but it, it did, it felt like, it felt like the old TV series that was my mm-hmm. original first love of Hulk. Oh, uh, okay. Because it, it was definitely grainy. And the other, the guy staying in there looked like a weird version of Bruce Banner or something. Yeah. 
in the comics, She-Hulk was one of the most um, sort of break the fourth wall type characters along with Deadpool. She, okay. she was known for doing that too. A lot of the comic covers were just hilarious. You know, she'd be pointing at the user saying things to you. Um, so I think, I think they're going to sort of create the show in that spirit. Um, and it's, it's good because the Hulk is showing up in it and he's always been sort of a comedic sort of element as well. And I think Ruffalo does a good job with the humor. Yeah. Ruffalo. That's what I was going to say. Just seeing some Mark Ruffalo and having him in like a, a, you know, basically a TV show. So cool. Yeah. I don't think we should hold our breath. I mean, we saw how long Rhodey was in the Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's right. like five seconds. But yeah. again, you know, he'll be in there in, in, in the comics. She got turned into the Hulk because she had to get an emergency blood transfusion from him. He had the same blood type. Okay. Um, so she, she was exposed to his blood, which is, turns him green. Let's see um, what happens. Okay, very cool. Yeah, so that show, uh, Agatha House of Harkness, um, that's going to be based on Agatha Harkness. I wonder, and a lot of people are speculating whether or not this was just greenlit you know, very quickly because of the success of the show and sort of what people were talking about, like you know, Catherine Hahn. That yeah. said, Catherine Hahn is pretty amazing, and I think if they have just even a passable script, it's going to be entertaining at least. Totally. Um, and it's going to keep so good. interweaving and moving along, hopefully, some of the WandaVision. And I, I, don't, I don't know. People are, like I said, people are speculating that they just sort of greenlit it on just based on WandaVision success. I don't, I don't get the sense that Feige is that trigger happy. Totally. I, you know what I mean? That they would actually, because whatever show they add, they're taking one away. I mean, they have, you know, only so much production. Yeah. So yeah. I can't imagine him greenlighting this unless he had a plan for it. And again, I think that's going to be going into the supernatural side of things, clearly, because mm. he's a witch. But I think that's a good segue into Moon Knight. That I'm stoked for. That's a cool character. Now, we saw a shot. Just to go back real quick, we didn't see in that quick reel, there is no footage or anything to see of, of Agatha. Correct. That yeah. was just a title card. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the Moon Knight character, uh, played by Oscar Isaac, is it's always sort of been considered Marvel's Batman. I mean, mm. Marvel and DC have always borrowed from each other. His take on it is he he's a, a very competent mercenary who hears vo voices from Egyptian, an Egyptian god. And throughout the comic series, you're never clear on whether he's actually hearing an Egyptian god talking to him or he does have multiple personalities disorder. So Whoa. it's a combination of never, as the viewer, never knowing whether this is real or not. But he is he is pretty brutal, and th they showed footage of him like beating someone to a pulp, which is encouraging. <laughs> I feel like they're going to go there with it. And his whole deal was he he wore all white because he wanted the villains to be able to see him coming. That was sort of like the twist on Batman. That was kind of fun. Oh damn! Okay, that's pretty badass. He he didn't he didn't need to hide in the shadows. Yeah, in the comics, he's actually with a group of characters called the midnight suns which is which it's had a bunch of different characters in it but one iteration had doctor strange moon knight blade punisher and ghost rider oh damn and i feel like they're they're setting up the pieces i think i think we'll probably see blade introduced in it i think we'll see Mahershala ali show up in that show that would be so um, fun oh my god we've got freaking oscar isaac and Mahershala ali potentially there's also some speculation that John Bernthal might actually be reprising his role as Punisher, and he might be showing up in that show. Dude. Well, I, I liked, I mean, I think we both like that Netflix show. Oh, uh, John Bernthal was perfect casting. I had yeah. no issues with that. 
Yeah. Which would be amazing. Again, we're sort of getting off into the blue yonder, but I mean, how cool would that team up be? And then huh. also there's speculation about who the villain is in the Moon Knight. And a lot of, a lot of clues have been pointing towards, I mean, it's going to be Ethan Hawke that he's actually playing Dracula. What? So it's going to get very dark and very supernatural. Ooh, and damn. that would make sense for them to introduce Blade. He's a vampire hunter. Yeah. Dope. So, yeah, that actually has me very excited. Again, and it's sort of falling into this new pattern of actually introducing the characters in the shows versus movies. Yeah. Well, does that work with the schedule, too? Sorry to interrupt, but just... No. Will Moon Knight come out before? Do we have a date for Blade? Is there a date for Blade, or it was just kind of dropped? I think Moon Knight's the next show. Moon Knight's the yeah. next show. I think it's coming out early next year. Um, and Blade hasn't been slated yet. It hasn't been it given hasn't. a date. Okay. Correct. Okay. There are some dates that are on the calendar that haven't been given names yet, which is, I think a lot of people were hoping they would do on Disney Plus Day, but they didn't. But yeah, I think Blade will probably be in that, I think, 2024 20, or 25. But, you know, if they introduced the character in a show this year, that would be amazing. That would be so great. I mean, he theoretically could get as much screen time as he would in a, in a feature. <laughs> right. Over the course of a six-episode series. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And not to, take away, not to take away from Oscar Isaac's Moon Knight, but, I mean, that's, that's an insane cast. Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke, Mahershala Ali, I mean, geez, <laughs> and maybe John Bernthal. Just, just a TV show, just a TV show on a streaming service. Yeah. My God. Yeah. So I think, I think that's kind of going to be like maybe one branch thematically for the MCU. I feel like they might be hitting sort of different themes, you know, because we have. Yeah. Th that's the sort of a supernatural branch. Um, mm. There's still the secret invasion scrolls going on. Mm -hmm. And there's Kang with some time travel madness. And that may or may not be closely connected to the multiverse of madness yeah i feel i feel like they're pulling things in different directions you know as opposed to just one main infinity stone theme like they did for phase one totally yeah and then i mean like we've talked about the idea in my mind of building all of these themes and even just intermixing not all of them but even parts of them into huge features yeah yeah again i think that's i, I, I think they'd be smart to do that and i think I've heard Feige actually quoted saying that, that they're saving the movies to be, you know, larger, you know, ensemble events, like events, like almost yeah. like groups joining up or characters joining up. I also see Shang-Chi fitting very squarely in the supernatural world too, which is cool. I mean, Wong, Wong literally invited him into the Sanctum Sanctorum at the end of the movie, so. Oh, good point. Yeah, totally. Okay, I hadn't thought about that. That's a nice addition as, too. As far as team-ups, and I could see uh, Shang-Chi doing a great job fighting vampires. That'd be pretty sweet. Oh my God. <laughs> that would be sweet. Oh, that's all. That all sounds really, I like, I like these ideas. And was there, oh, and then the, uh, I think the other live action is the Miss Marvel. They had a couple other ones. They had Miss Marvel, Ironheart, and Secret Invasion, and Armor Wars actually. So yeah, there's, I mean, <laughs> none, none of these were new. I mean, the only new things to us were the Spider-Man freshman year and X-Men 97. And we found out about Agatha, you know, a week or two ago. So yeah. none of these were really new. We just got title cards again. Yeah. And maybe, maybe I mean, there were snippets of footage. Maybe there's a snip, some right. of those clips are, are new. Yeah, I'm not complaining. I mean, it's like 13 new shows. Oh my God, dude. Just the rigor. I guess it's fair to say, like, we've both worked in general in entertainment and 
advertising and marketing for most of our careers. And yeah, I, I was a post-production supervisor once upon a time for episodic television. And yeah, that's, that's a, it's an impressive slate. It's impressive what they've got going, let alone the shows that are already still going that are going to have second and third seasons. Yeah. I mean, just think about the video game world, how often those games get delayed. Oh. You know, they can't get the game out on time. And that's one deadline. That's a launch date for a game. Imagine having a launch date for, you know, 17 major projects, both motion pictures and series, where if one is late, they all get pushed. Dude, because they're so interconnected. Moving parts, man. I mean, that's what happened. They did just shift all the dates back, you know, what was the last month? Everything got shifted back, I think, two or three months. Yeah. It's, and I think that was because of the Doctor Strange stuff, actually. We've we've speculated, I've joked about, you know, there there must be some versions of, like, this master whiteboard that I'm sure is some incredibly expensive electronic whiteboard that Kevin Feige and his top team. It's in a, it's in a Faraday cage. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It probably literally is in a Faraday cage and it's like the most locked down, you know, like it's its own system in, in closed right, system. Right, right. Sure. Or that vacuum sealed floating chamber that was in devs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's um, magnetically floating. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I just want to like zoom out a bit and connect us to the show because this is the first time we're getting into this stuff and it's going to be a regular thing that we're doing. To me, the path forward is really about this era and our time and, and what is our path forward. And, and a big part of this era in our time, I always love to step back and think that, you mm -hmm. know, what Kevin Feige is executive producer of Marvel has done really at his helm and all the creative people that are involved. I mean, there's literally hundreds, if not thousands of people involved. You know, there's no really other time in media, in history. I mean, not just broadcast media and films to take how many feature films are we at now? 26? 26. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it, it is. It is. It's, it's super impressive. Um, and I feel like, and go ahead. And just, well, I was just going to say now we're, and we're talking about all the TV shows. It's just, to me, it's like this great epic chronicle. Like how will people look at this in 20, 30 further years down the road? I mean, it's, it's like, you know, we know those, those great series, whether a great serial author from the 1900s or, or Homer's Iliad. There are these great interconnected sets of stories that become epics. And this is one of those. It's a huge, all of Marvel and the MCU and the shows is this completely interlinked. It, like you said, you one gets delayed and it impacts all the others. I, I can't think of another franchise that works that interconnectedly right now. Right. I mean, I would actually argue that theoretically, I think something like this would have been impossible until now. Fair. I mean, when Iron Man came out, I remember Favreau, you know, I've been inter interviewed many times about that. And he was like, basically excited about the project because the technology finally caught up. You mm -hmm. could do a superhero movie and have it look good. Yeah. Before that, it, you know, it was like strings and, you know, spandex costumes and it just kind of looked <laughs> silly. You know, there was exceptions to that rule, but overall, you know, especially when you get into other characters, Batman was always a possibility because he just wore a cape and a mask. Yeah. But some of the more fantastical characters, just you couldn't do it. Totally. Um, so that was one sort of technological leap forward. And I would say the second one happened within the last few years of just the, the streaming, the streaming wars, the budgets that are being applied to these shows. It's, it's an historic event for, for this platform, you know, for long, long form storytelling. I just don't think it was 
you know, HBO, I think, made it happen with some of their original series. Sure. Like and Sopranos. Until very recently, they didn't have any competition. Yeah. But, you know, between the special effects, the budgets, and the ability to do, you know, multiple episode, high budget shows, that's all sort of come together at this sweet spot where we are right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I just, you know, I'll probably bring that up from time to time just because I think it is a part of what is all going on right now in the world and, and this essentially 21st century culture, for sure, which is cool. And, uh, and we get to have a, a 21st century Christmas this year with, with Hawkeye. I think that's the thing. I mean, unless I don't know if we, we kind of skipped over Miss Marvel there, but did we miss anything else? I don't think so. I mean, there just weren't many surprises. Uh, Miss Marvel looks good. From my understanding, they delayed it quite a bit because they wanted it to be um, coming out close to the launch of the Marvels, which makes sense. Yeah. They're sort of using these shows as launch pads for the movies, which is smart. Um, I think, you know, again, Eternals was too soon. <laughs> yeah. If they had been able yeah. to somehow give us some sort of a primer show first, that might have been at least more successful in my mind. But Totally. And, and maybe the schedule is. that were pieces, you know, that, that just wasn't allowed, right? It would have tipped too many dominoes in the wrong direction. But yeah, hopefully we, we see more and more of this with the streaming service. And I just thought we might bring ourselves back from everything that's coming up, what we get next, like the next, it's crazy. We just get these continual rolling releases of Marvel content and we've got uh, Hawkeye and Spider-Man, right? Yeah, Spider-Man is, yeah, basically the same time. Hawkeye's starting around Thanksgiving, and then Spider-Man's mid-December. Yeah, and just to say Disney Plus in general, we're talking about, I mean, I think we're both, we've talked previously about being excited about Hawkeye, you know, launching right at Thanksgiving, basically, and then ending, like, it's right at New Year's, isn't it? Yeah, it's smart timing. It's the week of Christmas, the final episode. And then Book of Boba Fett on the service comes up, like, New Year's Day after. or right after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's really smart programming. I mean Yeah. And and it's gonna be the sort of family viewing. You've heard we've got some some whispers and some some insight from folks in, you know, the industry that they're pretty stoked about Hawkeye, which I was excited about and seeing the trailer, but it might be even better than the trailer lets on is what I've kind of gotten from you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I I, I mean I think we're going to be, like I said, going into some of that New York stuff I'm really excited about. I, I think one thing we can count on with these shows is some surprises, which is cool. They don't need to put out you know, a trailer that shows all three set pieces of a movie. You know what I mean? Totally. We're, we're getting you know, probably five minutes of footage from the first episode, and that's, that's it. They've always been pretty good about that. They're so good at not spoiling it. Like Their trailers are so good at building anticipation but not blowing it all for the most part. I mean, I, I think Shang-Chi was a great example of that. They didn't mm -hmm. have any of that third act stuff in the trailer, the fantastical world. And imagine how tempting it must have been to put it in there, you know? Totally. Because it looked so cool. Totally. But they just didn't do it. Yeah. And we, we can we can just loop back so because we're, we're only going to get further in distance from uh, from seeing Dune. <laughs> and, and, you know, we also love a good a good Warner Brothers rant is one of my other, uh, we'll call it, I guess, campaigns or, or passions because we saw so... I had to avoid seeing dune footage because what it had it had been started releasing it six weeks a month prior. and a half before yeah 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 <laughs> versus versus the build-up to to shang chi 
that was just a really, it seemed really unstrategic to me. I don't know. It, it must've been a, you know, just circumstances. They wanted to get out for award season over there, but yeah, for, it, a, for any sort of a sci-fi property like this, that has just really avid, you know, fans online and things like that. I just don't think it was very smart. Well, and, and, and there's us like being fans and sci-fi fans, but there's a business argument. I mean, everybody wants to look at, yeah. put your money from box office on the table. Look what Shang-Chi and Marvel achieve. And my whole rant is because I care about Dune so much and Villeneuve is a director. And I was like, look at how you're handling, you know, this yeah. thing that means so much to me versus the winning formula. Can't you just copy the winning formula? Like literally Shang-Chi did better in the box office still, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's Warner Brothers is kind of a mystery. Yeah. It's just odd. I don't get it. I feel like there were stories about the directors suing them because of their, you know, HBO Max, mm -hmm. you know, same day release as the theatrical releases. And they, they, to their credit, they stuck by what they said they were going to do. They're, they're still doing all their movies at home. Yeah. I think even the, it, the Matrix is even doing that, which is just crazy to me. I guess, and there's probably for the, from the director's point of view, you know, Villeneuve or other directors, we, or at least me, am, am in this minority of people that, I am absolutely going to the theater. I mean, I will go to the theater to see The Matrix. And then it was cool for me to see Dune in the Dolby Cinema Theater. I, I think a home experience for Dune would be incomparable to a theater. Unless, yeah. you know, you're Bill it Gates is. and have a, you know, a crazy Dolby Cinema built into your basement. Right. Because it's, that was that movie, I think, more than any movie I've seen in a very long time, was just almost completely experiential. Like, just the sound mm -hmm. and the visuals. You just sort of let it wash over you. And I, totally. I, you know, the day after it came out, I saw people posting, you know, YouTube reactions to Doom. You know, they're watching it at home or right. on their computer. Right. Even. It's like, <laughs> you know, they're really? literally watching it on a, you know, 16 inch laptop screen and they're kind of underwhelmed by it. That was, that, that was how it seemed to me. Yeah. And it's, I just felt like they were, you know, they were walking around this movie without two senses, you know, if there's four cents, you know, it's like totally. You're missing you, you just out. sat in a Ferrari in a parking lot rather than drove it. Yeah, you're like looking at it through a little little hole in the wall or something. It's like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. It It is, for me though, like, I got to have that experience and then I went home and watched it that weekend. I watched Dune that weekend and got to like savor it some more and take my time and even turn on some yeah. subtitles and I love that. And I enjoyed it so much that I'm going to do that with The Matrix it's it's one thing to see it in the theater and experience in the theater yeah. and then seeing it at home because you you almost get brought back to the theatrical experience like i mean that's what happens to me when i watch exactly it like when oh, certain so sequences well came up i was like oh i remember how good this sounded i remember how that i could feel that you know storm against the helicopter you know and it's like if you're just watching it for the first time on a, a tiny little viewing device with tinny speakers you're just never going to have it you're not giving the movie credit. Yeah, even even whatever your screen is at home. I mean, if you're like, you know, unless you have some high-end theater, like we said, I mean, most people are on a 55-inch or 65-inch TV and maybe a sound even, bar. Even, it's honestly, like, even a 75-inch TV, it's just, yeah. it's not the same. It isn't, it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. So I, I found myself like then encouraging other family members. I'm like, hey, don't just watch it at home. This is worth going into the theater for. You know, even at this time. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that was like a, a really visceral experience. Yeah. yeah. And, and I imagine 
to be all as much as I love the Matrix, I mean it won't be that, but I'm still going to run that same formula. I'm going to go see it opening night, yeah, and then I'll watch it at home. But I'm I'm a minority. No, I, I, I agree. I think that's. I think no. I think that's that's uh, that's another movie that's like it's it's. To, I want to like it, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's up to it to you know just deliver on that expectation. That's all. Totally. I'm we'll not going to go in there hate watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not gonna hate. I just, I'm, I'm not raising my expectations too high so that I can just enjoy whatever the Wachowskis are doing. Right, right, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and I'm a big. I've told you before, just to mention, because we will talk about it again later. You know, at this point, I, I was a big Sense Eight. You know, their series mm-hmm. on Netflix yeah, fan. I really enjoyed that. You know, that's probably the biggest thing from them that I've enjoyed in recent times. And I'm like, hey, if you can take some of what you came around and did at sense8 versus some other stuff i've seen from them in the last whatever 8 years and and they did that kind of thing or production or storytelling around matrix i'd be happy yeah well as far as the marketing campaign i can i can't really say anything specific but no i'm i'm seeing um echoes of the dune issues we ran into yeah yeah it's just, with the matrix i don't i don't it's get the same thing. what like like don't you think that, you know, we'll just start the rant is like, it's pretty clear at Warner Brothers that it's being driven by a committee of executives and general managers who there there must be a, a kind I of just, Hollywood. I don't know. I can't even speculate. I mean, for a while I thought, oh, it's got to be everybody's on lockdown. They're trying to get their, you know, maybe internal systems working. So files are getting delivered to, you know, people's homes and things like that. That could back things up. But it's been two years. I mean, I don't even though yeah. people are working from home at this point. So they don't have that excuse. I, I mean, it just seems like everything's behind and nobody knows what's happening. Well, it's, but, but I think Warner <laughs> brothers in general is decision by committee. It's decision by conference room. Yeah. There's, there's no strong leader like Feige that then creates a space as a leader to allow and invite and hire really cool creatives to do their thing. Right. Right. And Kev, and Feige had to fight for that. Like, the famous battle he had with Ike Perlmutter yeah. um, over Civil War. For where sure. Bob Iger sided with Feige and told Ike to take a hike. Yeah. And that doesn't always, but but it produces results. And not just, oh, we yeah. love this content. It produces greater revenue. So right, my right. thing is, don't you think you'd want to follow the guys that are producing more revenue than you? Well, I mean, it, it's it's always going to be a, a balance, you know, from a business perspective of the creative with the bean counters, the accounting, you know what I mean? And that's where I think maybe Warner Brothers is off a little bit. You have yeah. people making just creative decisions based on financial, you know, information. Yeah. That, that's what that's exactly what Feige ran into with Civil War. They didn't want to spend more money on certain things. They didn't want to pay for the Avengers theme song. You know, it's just crap like that. Famously. It's insane, you know. And th- th- those aren't, those should be creative decisions, not, you know, come down to, you know, some VP of business thing. Oh, I don't, I think we can save money on that. Yeah. Well, and I think part of it is worse, you know, viewers are savvy now. I mean, we have all these streaming channels, all this content, the bar is so high. And in part, you mentioned, you know, HBO <laughs> set that helps set that bar so high. And yeah, it's like, it, it makes you, it makes you wonder how, how those executives see us, you know what I mean? Right. Honestly. Right. Just, you know, just these idiots stuffing popcorn in our faces, watching whatever they put in front of us. Well, which is part of like, I don't want to just, you know, gush all over Disney and Marvel. But look, you fight hard 
for for creatives to really get to be creative and and have it be like you're saying right, the right. creative decisions and the content and and look it produces such yeah, yeah. admiration and so many fans i mean i always love like and, and know, we don't just gush i mean I, i've been honest about my you know just not dislike but ambivalence towards eternals you know yeah, but they fair. they've earned themselves so much more credit you know what i mean mm-hmm. so that I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that, you know, I'm not going to say I like that movie more than I do, but at the same time, I'm not worried. Yeah. You know? Yeah. At some point we'll get to some reaction stuff or we'll at least talk. I think, you know, you have introduced me to so many of the, the huge diversity of reaction videos. And I just wanted to kind of wrap up that point just by saying like creating that authentically creative and cool content has opened it up like you see this huge diversity of people <laughs> that are doing reaction yeah. videos that like you said at the beginning all all walks of life yeah yeah can you imagine this many walks of life and you know sexual orientations and races and groups of reactionary groups that are all mixed together if i would have told you that when when iron man was coming out as a deep marvel comics fan can you imagine those people yeah well you know i actually sort of see some parallels with sort of how Star Wars was back in the day. Mm. That was, that was, you know, that truly captured a mainstream audience, you know, all walks of life. People were like, yeah, Star Wars, that's cool. They got excited about it. I kind of see Marvel sort of taking on that uh, mantle. Totally. You know, Star Wars figures out what they're doing. Not that they're not working on it, but yeah, we'll see. Theatrically. Something, something will happen. Yeah. Well, I think let's think of, all of those diverse people and all these these fans and everyone getting to have you know what I'm the most excited for is is Hawkeye coming up and I, I you know it's kind of like riding through the the holidays and getting to share it with family some yeah oh actually just on that point of the YouTube reaction yeah just yeah please something occurred to me an example of savvy marketing from Disney slash Marvel was before Infinity War they actually had a whole trailer showing reactors reacting to their movies right I mean that was genius. That's literally like the definition of viral marketing. When you can post content of people reacting to your con that are going to repost that content, reacting to that content. Totally. And it, it saves on seeing footage from the film, right? You're not yeah, showing no, me no. more footage, but you're building that interest. Well, they're tapping into every single channel that has a reaction channel, has its own audience built in. And when they heard that Marvel had a trailer showing them, it's, it was, it was, it was really smart. I love it. You don't, and, and come on, something like that in general terms isn't possible with the Matrix? Yeah, it is. Oh, like you yeah, could, I, I mean, there's don't, fans. Don't I'm just saying there's an established fan base, <laughs> there's an established trilogy. Like you can build interest without showing us the whole film and releasing it before. Oh, we absolutely. Get to go. I mean, the, the sky's the limit with the Matrix, and it's such a cool, creative property. Um, it, they're just not. From what I've seen, they're not in a position to do anything interesting or creative with their marketing. Yeah. It's too bad. We'll see. We'll see. So that's December. Matrix is December. Uh, keep coming back to Hawkeye. And do you remember, is the first episode of Hawkeye before Spider-Man's premiere? Hawkeye's on either the 20th or the 24th, the night before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And Spider-Man is mid-December. Oh, right. Oh, the last episode, though. I don't know. I don't know the, I don't know the schedule there. No, no. So we get we get those two features of content that I'm looking forward to in December and then Hawkeye coming right up. Yeah. 
I just want to talk a little bit has this like the 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 trailer really gave me this diehard holidays action flick 80 90s vibe. Yep. And very New York. I'm going to keep pointing that out, but that's, mm. it's very New York. In Marvel Comics, New York was a character more than a place, you know what I mean? Oh, that's cool. They touched on it in the Avengers movie with, you know, Stark Tower being there and stuff, but you never really got a real New York feel. I didn't at least. Yeah. I mean, in Strange, some that was minimally. That's what I'm wondering. Is it possible they could cross paths? Possibly, yeah. I, I feel like the Spider-Man movies hit it on it a little bit better, but I, I, this really feels like they're going there. I mean, they show like uh, 30 Rock, you know, in the background, that, that ice rink and stuff. Mm -hmm. Just some iconic New York locations. And I think they really shot there too, which is kudos to them. Very cool. That's it's probably not easy to shoot there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we'll get into once uh, once some of that, that new content's coming out. We'll definitely, you know, if not sooner, wrap about all that. Is there anything else you're excited about or anything else about uh, Disney Plus Day you want to say in all this? I don't think so. I think my only, the only thing I'm going to try to do when watching Hawkeye is avoid all the, I hate to say it, but all the YouTube videos that, that speculate madly. You know, because they're going to take every frame and say, oh, we're going to see Mephisto this episode. Or we're going to see King in the next episode because there was a stopwatch hanging off that guard's belt. You know what I mean? <laughs> Shit like that. It's just... Totally. And again, it just leads to massive amounts of disappointment. You know, I almost guarantee someone's going to say, oh, the Fantastic Four is going to show up because, you know, someone's name is Reed. You know, it's just like... Right. Yeah, it gets, it gets silly. And there was a... If I didn't dip in too deep, like there was a fun aspect around WandaVision of what's happening. Cause that was so new. And I don't know. I, I had fun with some of the speculation. I have, yeah. Today. I have mixed feelings about, about that whole experience. Cause I remember a lot of people were disappointed with some of the final episodes when these fan theories weren't paying off. Right. And I feel like that's too bad. You know what I mean? Cause it was such a great show and it was written so well Yeah. and it, it didn't lack something. It just lacked what somebody else imagined it would have. Totally. <laughs> yeah, no, you got to take those theories for what they are and you're not at the helm, I think otherwise, yeah, it is it does it's a detractor, but um, one of, one of the best examples was when they mentioned uh in uh WandaVision they said, you know, we have a friend who's an astrophysicist and everybody speculated, oh, it's going to be Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four. Right. And if you watch those reaction videos, <laughs> she comes over the hill <laughs> to see everybody's like, is it going to be Reed? Is it going to be Reed? Is it going to be Mr. Fantastic? I mean, every single one of them and it's just some random person bringing out the SUV. Totally. It's like just literally just thousands and thousands of people were hugely disappointed at an inconsequential scene that shouldn't have been exciting to begin with. Totally. Oh, man. Can you imagine you're releasing the show and like you really hadn't thought of that and you know what's coming that it's just, you know, wasn't it a soldier? It's like a special forces soldier yeah. driving in with an SUV. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, you're the disappointment. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, like because these people got on this wild tangent all on their own, you never yeah. could have like planned for. Yeah, just a, a week long fever dream of you know like fan fiction, just like oh. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Well, we'll we'll see what happens with Hawkeye. I don't know. I think it can stand up. Jeremy Renner is a badass. And... Well, I mean, but we're, since we're in New York, I feel like, and I, I'm already speculating on seeing you know more. New York characters. I mean, again, it, all it's going to take is like, I'm going to go see a lawyer. Everyone's going to be like, Matt Murdock. It's Daredevil. <laughs> He's in a police station. I like it. <laughs> There's a blind person. It's Matt Murdock. <laughs> totally. So the uh, I see a big guy in the hallway. <laughs> so be on the lookout to be discussed here. 
Yeah, I mean, that stuff's fun. But again, I'm going to try to temper my expectations. I, again, I'll be sort of primed to be seeing stuff like that, like conditions. So yeah, more dangerous for me. I'm, I'm excited, man. I think, I mean, this year after the, the pandemic, you know, kind of delays and, and hold back, I mean, I feel like we've gotten a lot of content this year and I'm really excited for this, this last finish of, of what we've been talking about. Oh yeah. It's going to be great. And what's coming up, Oh yeah, you know, it's, it's just yeah, choice. I mean, it, we're lucky. Yeah. It, it, we're it's just ridiculously spoiled how much stuff we got this year from Marvel, like new content. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it's at a faster clip than it used to. <laughs> Strangely, even though we got four shows and three movies. Yeah. It does. It doesn't. It, that is crazy. That I mean, we used to wait to like months and months, if not a year, for the next feature. We had one movie a year originally, and then we had two movies once mm. in a while, and then they hit three movies, and I was like, "Oh my god, what universe is this? Three movies in a year?" <laughs> but you know, there's four months between each. And now we're getting literally. It's like a two week wait, and we're like, "Oh Jesus, what am I gonna do?" <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> Guess I watch The Sopranos again. Oh. <laughs> Westworld. I'll go rewatch Westworld. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some other great content out there, but we won't we won't go too far astray. I think um also one one other announcement on Disney Plus Day they said was in twenty either not next year, so I think twenty twenty four will be the first time that there's gonna be original like Star Wars, Marvel, Nat Geo, like all of their branches all at once. There's gonna be original content simultaneously running. Wow. In 20, that'll happen in 2024. 2024. Yeah. I mean, th- basically, you know, all engines have been running and it takes a while to sort of get ahead of the, the curve, but yeah. they're going to be at that point in 2024. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. It's quite a time, man. It's awesome. I'm stoked to keep talking about it and revealing more and to get into some, some regular cadence around all this. Yep. For sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh man. It's going to be awesome. Okay. Sweet. Anything else? Any final parting thoughts? Oh, I'm sure I'll think of stuff later. Yeah. But good. none for now. We'll save it. We'll save it for the next one. All right. To be continued, folks. To be continued. <laughs> <laughs>